Welcome to Pop Culture Federation. Welcome to the Pop Culture Federation Podcast. I'm Mikey, and I am by myself today. Well, not really. Uh, no Ron or Matt for this episode, but I'm here with one of my best friends who I've known for, oh man, almost A 20 years time. now. Long time. Um, Perk. Hello. Percolator, for sh- or short for Percolator. Percolator for long. Yeah, Percolator for long. Um, Perk and I have known each other for since the early 2000s, and... I wanted to interview him on the show as part of one of our interview episodes. Uh, you heard the first one that we had with Tyler with his new song. Um, shout out to Tyler. Thanks for the intro. But uh, I wanted to have Perk on here to talk about some things that he's been working on, specifically about the FGC, the fighting game community. Now, I know you've heard me talk about it a lot when mentioning our some of our favorite people, um, some of the things that we're doing and interested in and some of the things that we're watching. So uh, definitely like and enjoy watching fighting games. Uh, I thank Perf for really getting me into the, the community aspect of it. But uh, I just wanted to talk about some of the things he's been doing because I think it's pretty interesting and I think it can relate to a lot of people, especially for what Matt, Ron, and I are trying to do with this podcast. He's trying to do with his content creation and his channel. So... Um, without further ado, why don't you tell the listeners who you are and, uh, what your channel is all about? Hey, so thanks. First of all, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Uh, I definitely listen to your podcast. I'm, I'm glad to see you, you guys doing that. It's a lot of fun, a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Uh, my name is Perk. I make content for the FGC, uh, which the abbreviation is for fighting game community. So it's for people that are playing, you know, any fighting game. I know it's, it sounds like, uh, an extreme like tournament type thing in esports. It's really not. It can be for uh, anybody. Super wide variety of players. If you play a fighting game, if you like it, and if you want to do more than just mash with your friends over at you know a party, uh, you're part of the FGC. So uh, my goal is to make content, bringing uh, awareness and kind of just education for the FGC as a whole, ranging from how do I do a combo, what is a combo, basic things like that, all the way up through. Covering the tournament scene, you know, the top eights, what does it mean? How do the seedings work out? What does the competition actually culminate in? And all that different type of stuff. That's one of the things I really do appreciate because I sometimes, usually a lot of these tournaments are on the weekends. And sometimes, you know, you have life, you do things on the weekends, you can't watch things on Twitch, depending if they're in Japan, Europe, the West Coast, East Coast, wherever they're at. Um, It's hard to watch and follow what's going on. Because back in the day, when websites were just the main source of everything, somebody would upload the results, and you can read them. You know who won. Today, that's not really a thing, and it's kind of on Twitter. So if you go to the Capcom Pro Tour Twitter and try to follow, it's very, very difficult. It is, and that's kind of one of the things that I wanted to disambiguate. So um, that's that's kind of the point of of a lot of the content, too, is... What do these points mean? What you know? What does that matter? You know, this player has one thousand six hundred and twenty-seven points, but he wasn't at the cup. Why wasn't he at the finals? Like, what does that mean? What does all that stuff actually equate to? So, I you're you're not alone in being lost with that, and I think it's 
one of the kind of missing pieces of the FGC is being able to adequately follow and understand what's going on. You know, the Super Bowl is the Super Bowl. It's the best, you know, the two best teams fighting for the championship. How does that work when you have, you know, 30-something players evolved? So. Exactly. And even, um, so I follow, or used to, not too much anymore, I follow Magic the Gathering, which is a card game. But Magic, one of the things that they did was they clearly listed out who was in the top eight. Yes. They had a picture of everybody. You knew who they were. They had the Twitter handles. They posted yes. their decks. And I'm like, okay, even if I'm not watching, I know who's in top eight of the Pro Tour. Cool. Fighting games, they don't really do that. So unless you're following Team Spooky, K-Brad, Jay Wong, people like that, who will retweet and shout out, like, oh, cool, such and such is in the top eight. Yeah, that's cool. But otherwise, if you're just following the main Twitter, it's like, I don't know what's going on. It's going to be difficult. It's very confusing. It's going to be difficult. I'm actually working with a, a new site, so shout out to them, toptier.gg. Uh, they kind of try to combine all the different elements and all the different stuff that's going on in there. So that's a it's another good outlet, another good source to check out. It's that, and even other communities too, not just Street Fighter. Um, I know Smash isn't the easiest one to follow either. So unless you're really, really in it and you follow everybody who could be in top eight, then um, it's hard. Smash kind of Smash breaks it down even further. For the FGC, you have a lot of different tournaments. You know, the Capcom Cup, the Tekken World Tour. You know, various different world tour organizations going all these players their winnings mean something and they you know kind of go towards the end of a year culminating in like one singular hey this is the street fighter champion this is the tekken champion smash kind of works in a different way and, and it's it's even harder for them because it's it's kind of spread out different tournaments mean different things winning you know apex means different than win, winning genesis winning evo and different stuff like that so and nintendo doesn't care and nintendo really does honestly as much as i'm not a huge smash player nintendo needs to support the scene like they really do if if anyone from nintendo is listening support your players these these guys care they really care about the game and that's worthy of the attention for sure i think the last person who cared left and that was reggie <sighs> i miss reggie Reggie, Reggie, just, Reggie was Reggie leaving Nintendo was the end of a, like an era almost. Capcom gets a lot of flack and a lot of people say negative things about Capcom as a whole. And but Capcom does support it. They do they do put money behind Absolutely. it. They do have the Pro Tour. Absolutely. They may not have the best netcode. Sure. Um, they may you know have issues with delay, but like the people like Onosan really cares about the product. He loves it. The he people who were running the tournament, like the Capcom Pro Tour, is massive. Um, the yeah. the cup is ma it's great. They put on a big production, a big show. Their um, Evo is still regard even if people who don't follow the scene or who have played, yeah, they'll see Evo on ESPN. They're like, I'll see people at work just come up to me like, yo, I was watching ESPN and then after Sports Center, uh, Street Fighter came the on. Street Fighter came on. They're like, what I thought this? of you, and I was like, it's kind of weird, but I was like, watched it, and it was like really cool to see. I was like, I'm glad. And I think that's all because of the support Capcom has been putting behind it. Because fighting games are meant to be competitive. They always have. We were just talking about it before we hit record. That when you're standing behind a cabinet in 1995, you put that quarter in, you're fighting to keep that quarter and to make that quarter yeah. last multiple rounds. Yeah, you're fighting for your life. That's you know, that's your that's your buy-in. That's your entry. That's your life for that for that that turn. You know, you got to go to the next arcade or go to the back of the line. You know, if you lose that money in, in the in the good old arcade days. But um, exactly like you're saying too, like winning these tournaments is something so huge and it's it's still very much in its infancy because esports as a whole is still very, very young. Uh, a lot of people consider us still to be inside the esports bubble. I know I hear that term a lot. 
But um, fighting games have been one, to me, one of the premier, like, and OG kind of esports. You know, you can go back to the, you know, the early 2000s. Counter-Strike, uh, Quake, StarCraft, Quake. and fighting games. Quake was great, man. Quake was great. Matt, on our on our show, co-host Matt, Matt follows uh, League of Legends, uh, CSGO, Counter-Strike, mm-hmm. and um, a few other things. I'm not sure if he does Overwatch. I know he watches League, because sometimes when we go record, I'm seeing him watching it. Um, but and I I don't partake in in it. I don't I like you know people like it. It's fine. I've tried it. Not for me. But I think out of the whole esports realm, and even if you go on Twitch, they're they're they have their niche community and they're towards the bottom or towards the middle. Mm-hmm. But they're not in the prime spotlight unless yeah. it's Evo. But that's besides the point. They do. But the community. So flashback. I knew Perk from when we played Yu Gi Oh. Yes. We played Yu-Gi-Oh cards back in the day. The good old days. Um, one day, we were at a little card store uh, in a small town. And this card store maybe was the size of, like, I don't know, half the size of a bodega. It was really, really small. Tiny. Fire, fire code, maybe 20 people max. And they fit 50 to 60 people to play Yu-Gi-Oh. Easily. We were playing next door. On the on sidewalks. The, on sidewalks. On the sidewalks. On the steps of, like, the law office. Yeah. Um, we played wherever we could, the floor, and... When Perk came in one day, Perk's tall, for those of you who've ever seen him on a stream, he's like 6'3", and mind you, when we were like 14, 15, I think you're a few years older than me, so you may have been 16, 17, um, that was before, like I'm six foot, and he's about 6'3", six, 6'4", six, but at the time, I was maybe like 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, and then my other friend uh, was like, we're like, oh, who won? Because we weren't there that day, and he goes... A giant. <laughs> and then ever since then, then he came God and then he won CJ. more Yu-Gi-Oh. So that's how I got to meet him. And uh, That was my second friend. week. My first week I got bodied. Uh, and the second week I came back and I won the whole thing. It was a, That was a great time, honestly. But even then, like, the the card game community, people who are, are into it, it's a very niche community as well. So back then, in a small store like that, everybody kind of knew each other. We all had our, each other's back. You might disagree at the time, but you you kind of like, you know, you stuck up for each other. But people would bring in CRTs. They'd bring in Dreamcast, Sega, N64. Mm-hmm. PS2 was around? I think PS2 may have just come out because I remember playing Dance Dance Revolution on PS2. Okay. I know Dreamcast people for sure brought. Definitely. N64, GameCube. N64, oh, GameCube. GameCube was out. I, brought, I know I brought GameCube, so PS2 had to have been out because that was the year prior. Okay. So for sure. But people were bringing, and then they had an arcade cabinet there too. First it was yes. um, Virtual Fighter. Then it was Tekken? either Virtual Fighter or Tekken. I know, I know he traded it for one or the other. I can't remember which one came first. I think because I knew Virtual Fighter from the Saturn that he had the Virtual Fighter, and they traded for Tekken. I was like, why'd you do that? I think that? he traded it for Tekken. I think it was like Tekken Two or something like that. Yeah, but Tekken was a better game. But Virtual Fighter was, was more nostalgic because Virtual Fighter One. Yeah, it was the first one. That Virtual was Fighter on was Canada. awesome. Tekken was the when Tekken was created because of Virtual Fighter. I did not. know Namco that. was like, make us make us a game to compete with Virtual Fighter, and that's where Tekken came from. I did not know that. Yeah, that's where it came from. Shout out to Virtual Fighter. That game needs another. We need another Virtual Fighter. That game is immeasurably depth, immeasurably deep, immeasurably depth. Immeasurably deep for only using three different buttons. Guard, punch, and kick. That's all you had. It's it a, definitely was Virtual Fighter. Because I remember yeah. playing it, and I remember I got to the end. Yeah. And I think I won, but I remember spending like $4 <laughs> on doing it. And I like pulled my wrist, and somebody had to like pop it out. 
So I remember doing that. That sounds like it would happen. But the FGC is a very niche community, and depending on like if you were in it in the '90s or the early 2000s, there was it was East Coast West Coast. They kept that rivalry going. They did. Um, Still, it still burns today. Now and then later on, it kind of evolved to USA Japan. It definitely did. I, I would say the the interesting thing about the FGC is that. Unlike a lot of other esports, and and this kind of can coincide with like coworkers and and people that you know that aren't you know that don't follow video games and different things like that. When you for the average person, like if they watch a League of Legends map, you know a match, it's kind of hard. It might take them a few minutes to figure out like oh like that team is going against that team and this team is doing this and there's different lanes and there's different roles and there's different things that are part of the team. In a fighting game, you're seeing every player's perspective because all the perspectives are the same. If you're playing Counter-Strike, they're going to switch between cameras because some players are sneaking, some players are hiding and doing different things. Not to discredit anything with those games, because those team games are insane and it requires like the highest level of synergy between players to be able to, to handle that and to compete and come out on top and to counterplay. But in a fighting game, I think it's the easiest thing for the viewer to watch because that dude is fighting that other dude. And that's it. There's two people on stage. They both have a controller in their hands or an arcade stick on their lap. That guy's fighting that guy. And that's, it, it's just, it doesn't get any more simple than that, other than, you know, the layers and layers of depth that go into it. But uh, it's funny that you mentioned League of Legends, too, because I don't know if you, if you have more questions on this, but I personally think that League of Legends, like Riot Games, is going to flip the FGC on their head. Oh, wait, you're getting way ahead. I got okay. some, okay. some pre questions right, planned, right, right. and that, good, that good. is there at Perfect. the end. Perfect. So before we dive in, because I do want to talk about your stream, uh, well, your stream and your channel. Sure. And um, I still, your contact photo on my phone is one picture of the 4th of July for your stream. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> what I had the American flag. Everything. Glasses. Hat, glasses. And scarf. And I had I had flags on my head, like on like a headband. Yeah. Oh yeah, I got the picture. It was great. That's, that was that was something. So what is your, first of all, what's your favorite fighting game? Favorite character mm-hmm. or characters? Mm-hmm. And then favorite type of fighter? What do you mean by that? So, an anime fighter, 1v1, 3v3, okay. party games like Smash. Gotcha, gotcha. Favorite fighting game of all time uh, is actually going to... It, it kind of coincides with what we were mentioning earlier, which might surprise you, and that's Soul Calibur 2. Ooh, I thought you were going to say Street Fighter 2. I know, I know. And, I, and I, I, I've, I've gotten this question a lot, so I've had more time, I guess, to process it. Because it, depending on when you've asked me, I may have said Street Fighter 2. I may have said, you know, a couple of different things, but... For me, Soul Calibur 2 is the pinnacle of learning a game, falling in love with it, and not being able to play it enough. Um, I actually played it for the first time at the card store that we were playing at when somebody brought in like a, a Dreamcast or something like that. Uh, and I was just like, I played a lot of fighting games. I, I would always play fighting games. One of my first games ever was you know, Mortal Kombat but um, as a kid. But playing Soul Calibur, I was like, oh, this is a fighting game, and they have, like, giant swords, and that guy has a whip, and, like, there's a bow staff, and, like, all this kinds of crazy stuff. So, for me, like, it doesn't get more of a pinnacle, neutral-based fighting game than Soul Calibur 2. Easy answer. So, is your favorite character in a game from Soul Calibur, or is it still from Street Fighter? I think that's, I know who it is. That's a complicated question. All time. All time, Not yeah. current. All no, time. I, I understand. I'm I'm wondering actually if you're gonna be able to guess this, but um, I'm gonna say Sagat. Okay, no, it's not. No, it's it's iterative of Sagat. Uh, favorite fighting game character of all time is Ryu. 
Okay. I, and it's, yeah, I should have guessed that one too. I, I meant, yeah, okay. It's a fair. vanilla yeah, answer. Yeah. I get that it's a vanilla answer, and most people are not looking for that. But Ryu symbolizes kind of everything that you want out of somebody who plays fighting games. He never gives up. Like in the lore, his character is just the eternal battler. He's like, I'm gonna, I lost, I'm gonna get stronger. I'm gonna find all the strong opponents. I'm gonna learn from them. I'm gonna get better. I'm gonna keep going. Like, nothing will stop him. He's just, he deals with his inner demons. You know, we've seen Evil Ryu, the Satsui no Hado. He's gotta deal with all that stuff. It's the same thing we deal with every day in life. Not to get too uh, philosophical and, and corny, but he deals with that. And he's, he, there's so much human element to him. And that spirit of, I'm never gonna give up, regardless. How do you not love that? That's true. And uh, he's got that sick beard costume in Street Fighter Five. In all the... It is dope. And I remember it got to the Hot Ryu. Hot Ryu. Figure. Yes. The, um, the, in the cartoon, they had the Street Fighter 2V cartoon. I have those. Um, even in the movies and uh, the comics, like Ryu is a very good character. And he's your... He's not your like Goku-esque character. He's more of like a, a serious take on what Goku would be. Yes. I uh, agree. For Dragon Ball. But, I definitely agree. Um, definitely Ryu. I mean, Ryu's been around in all of them. So yeah, he's been he's he's the one he's the, one of the few characters that's been in every Street Fighter, and I think he contrasts well with Ken, if you know Ken's personality. He does. He's kind of a it's kind of an East meets East meets West mentality too. So your favorite type of fighters is one v one. Favorite type is definitely one v one. I'm the kind of person that if a fighting game comes out, I'm gonna buy it. Like I've got to play it no matter what it is. I'm eagerly looking forward to Grand Blue Fantasy Versus based on a Japanese mobile RPG. It looks gorgeous. Like, it's a fighting game. I have to play it. I can't wait. But um, favorite type would be 1v1. I love slower-based gameplay. I love playing the neutral. Um, some of, you know, it might not even look like it to the untrained eye, but when you realize what's going on between the two players' minds, when you're watching them walk back and forth and throw out some, like, light punches and stuff like that, the layers of combat and the layers of understanding and trying to trying to see what the other person's going to do, nothing, nothing tops the 1v1 for me. That's why I think fighting games, 1v1 fighting games are the easiest to follow. Yeah. Compared to... Because even if you see, um, I think on TNT, TBS, they got the E-League. E-League, yeah. And every season they have a new game. Sometimes they do CSGO. I think Overwatch they did. But they do once a year uh, Street Fighter. Yes, they do. And They're doing an amateur league this year, I believe. Uh, yeah, I remember reading about yeah. that. But they... It's easy to follow. It's easy to watch. Even if Evo's on ESPN, it's like you don't. You can put somebody who doesn't know anything about it. Yep. And you can clearly see who's winning, who's playing better, and what's going on. You don't have like League of Legends. I'm sorry. Uh, and like Matt tries to explain it to me all the time. I'm watching. And I'm like, I think I know what's going on. They got little minions doing stuff. You're attacking statues. I've tried it. I mean, if you like it, cool. It's good. But it's. A little complicated follow, and I only know why people are like, "Oh, you got to do the reaction time with the clicks." Yeah, to, um, to me, it. to me, League of Legends is like listening to an opera. You're you're watching so many people perform one thing, like in concert with the with each other to try to take on the other thing. Obviously, it's not like an opera because they don't battle with their instruments or anything like that. But in terms of like, there's five different people on each side working together to make something happen, uh, and there's a lot of things to like manage and a lot of nuance to it. Uh, a fighting game would be like singing, seeing a uh, like a singer songwriter perform, like a solo artist. That's a good, that's you, a good analogy. You know what I mean yeah. by that? It's all music and it's all it's all dope, but it's just you're seeing 
the the simplicity of one person doing it versus the orchestra doing it. Well, League's doing something right because those tournament payouts are a million dollars. Tons. Same with Dota. It's million. We've covered Dota like yeah. tournaments and results before, just like in our like news segments and stuff. But millions and millions of dollars. It's and insane. It's, Fortnite. We talked about Fortnite too, and that was like three million dollar thing purse. Yeah. Or something like that for a sixteen year old kid. And I was like, that's a lot of that's money. A ton of money. That's a lot that's of money. And this is this is we're talking like back going back to the FGC and like the card game community. You play in a tournament and you'd be lucky to win fifty bucks. Yeah. I remember winning fifty bucks. It was like a mall tournament I won. And I got fifty bucks in credit to I think the shop that like put it on or something. Oh yeah, like that. that was but that was so you that, got Oh my god. Being sixteen or seventeen and winning fifty bucks. Uh, listening to the podcast when like Justin Wong would say he would win back in the day and if he would win like a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks, he you know, he would take his friends out to eat. Yeah. Make sure everybody got fed. Oh, yeah. But it's like, you know, it's something like that. It's you're you're not fighting for it's more like you're fighting for pride and like just to be better and to represent your community. It's for the sport. It it's is. It's really it really I mean, all good things like that, they begin with the love of the game. The love of the sport of it. I so. think that that's why it really relates a lot to soccer versus like American football. Because okay. soccer, like, you can have a team in, like, the... I mean, you have your Barcelona's, Real Madrid's teams, Man City's, but then you have your, you know, English fourth tier, where you are, like, English third tier, where like, Oxford United. So it's like, you really got that community that really the supports passion, the team. The grassroots. Like, e- even, like, here in MLS. Like, the New York Red Bulls, I mean, they're always in the playoffs, but they're not great. But, like, you go there, you support your club, you're there for the community. Yeah. And it's it's It's, it's a camaraderie very, thing. Yeah, exactly. It's not, like, this big massive i mean granted soccer is the most popular sport in the world but it's not it's not like american football less organization driven where all the money the hype the glamour the, yeah. the glory i mean granted you have your evo which is i guess your world cup yeah something like I would, that i would say evo probably is the world cup super bowl whatever you want to however you want to equate to it evo has definitely been and evo is about to be 20 years old which is crazy how was older i mean it started initially as it was called battle by the bay Oh, that's right. That was the original kind of thing. But Evo 2K was kind of like the, that was like the inaugural. Because like when 2K was like the catchy phrase, like NFL 2K, NFL 2K1. Like that was like, it was like Evo 2K1, stuff like that. So I think, I think officially, I think next year is going to be Evo's 20th year. Okay. So let's talk about your origin. Sure. What were your first memories of playing fighting games? What was the game? Was it, you know, time period? Like how old were you? Stuff like that. Uh, yeah, uh, pretty, pretty memorable for me. I was, I guess, five years old and I don't know how, I don't know why. I don't remember asking for it, but my parents knew that I loved like karate, like, and fighting, like whatever. I was just like obsessed with it, like on TV, if it ever came up, maybe we can blame violent TV shows of uh, the early nineties, but, uh, it was Mortal Kombat 2 for Sega Genesis, uh, first fighting game ever. I think I got it for, like, Easter. It was, like, an Easter basket. Imagine the most violent... The game that defined the ESRB and the rating system, I got on Easter Sunday. And uh, I popped that game in, and the rest basically was history on that. But it was such an obsession of mine that I remember my mom being like, do you have anything else that you talk about? And my answer was, no. Like, all I want to talk about is Mortal Kombat and Sub-Zero, Scorpion, Reptile, and those guys. And uh, that passion evolved forward. I remember after that, I played the heck out of Mortal Kombat. And um, 
I remember I was really, really sick. I had like the flu. I remember being like maybe six years old and having the flu. And my dad had come back from a business trip. And I think, I don't know if my mom set him up for it or did whatever. Um, but they're like, we know you like fighting games. So they gave me like a new game to play. It's kind of like a, we hope you feel better. Like I was totally spoiled, only child. I reaped all the rewards. But um, it was Street Fighter 2, Champion Edition, Sega Genesis. And the Guile Box. The Guile Box. Guile was on the box. He's Guile is the first Street Fighter character that I have ever seen, to be fair. And I'm I know that I mentioned Ryu is my favorite, but I main Guile in Street Fighter V. Um but anyway, uh I remember getting that game, you know, being sick and playing it, and seeing the, all the, the really, really cool cast of characters. But in Mortal Kombat, to do a special move, it was like back back punch, down forward kick, back, stuff back like that. Was get over here. Yep. Was the spear? It's the only one I remember. Uh, yeah, and then they, you know, they changed it as time went on to make it more complicated. Because being able to, you know, walk backwards and, and do a special move was crazy. But um, I remember trying to throw a Hadouken, and in the in the manual it showed the arrows, like the the you know the penultimate you know input command for a special move, the quarter circle forward and punch. And as a six year old kid, I would tap down, release it, tap the diagonal release it, tap forward, and then tap punch. I don't know you had to do them together. Neither did I. I, was, I think we all were there. Yeah, I was, I was like, what the, why won't these come out? Like, I just, it just, it wouldn't work. Um, so at a certain point, I kind of just gave up. And I, I remember a friend coming over, like maybe a year or so later, uh, was like, oh, you have Street Fighter? Like, this game's amazing. And I was like, eh, I was like, I, I can't do the moves. And they're like, what do you mean you can't do the moves? They're like, you do this. And like, he rolled his thumb and I was like, like, my head exploded Time froze, and then it, like, reassembled itself because my mind was blown. I, I couldn't imagine not doing that now, but, like, not seeing through that as a kid and then, like, having that, like, crazy aha moment uh, that solidified it. And that's when I kind of shifted from Mortal Kombat over to uh, Street Fighter. I was definitely there, too. At just I would be down right. I'm like, there's no diagonal yeah, like, button. Where? I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> then you see those really like jank third party controllers at the store, and they had like different, di- yes, different. I was like, the weird do I have to buy this? Yeah, and, and I then, didn't understand it. So I, that's what turned me off at first when I was when I was a kid. I, I did have Mortal Kombat, and I remember liking. That's right around the time the movie came out. Yes. And I was like, yo, this is really cool. But what was also cool in Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter this too. Was they had the G.I. Joe toys. Yes, they did. The little G.I. Joe yes, size toys. Did. And I remember being obsessed with them, trying to get them all. I and... remember my grandma called Sub-Zero Lawrence Welk. Because <laughs> she had no concept. She was like, who is that? And so the running joke, we even to my mom to this day. I'm like, that's oh, Lawrence Welk. I, I, when I first discovered what eBay was, maybe like, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. And I got, you know, I got the. Got a car, like a debit card that I could use online. I went and bought... The first thing I did was buy all of them. <laughs> the Mortal Kombat figures, yep. yeah. I got them all. They're and... awesome. Like, they they were absolutely awesome. But Mortal Kombat had had a rich, really good franchising and marketing. Um, and also, the thing for me, too, is... Even though, like, I had that would, that was my first game, um, they didn't. I didn't see Street Fighter arcade cabinets in my area for, like, a long time. Um Mortal Kombat was what I saw, and Mortal Kombat's what I played in the arcade. So, yeah, that's what I wanted to ask next was, so did you, it sounds like you played on the Genesis at home primarily, but yes. did you, when you played in the arcade, did you play at convenience stores, pizza shops, friend's house, was there actual arcades? Because I know, so 
we when I was younger would go their arcades existed mm-hmm. and I know they're few and far between now but even down the shore there was arcades and they're still there kind of kind of a shadow of themselves yeah. but it's not like it used to be but I remember random like Pizza Hut had a Street Fighter yep. 2 cabinet it was there and but I where did you play and where did you first see like cabinets and so kind of like community as a whole like that. The first, my first encounter of playing somebody other than my friend that was over at my house uh, was at a little place called United Skates, which I don't think they exist anymore. Um, being on the East Coast, it was kind of a chain like franchise of like a roller rink. Uh, and they, you could rent out skates. You can go in and kind of skate around in the circle. There was also an arcade. They had like disco dancing nights and like stuff like that kind of as like i guess i guess for like different age groups um but a big thing was birthday parties and like uh, i went to summer camp too um so i am tall and my center of gravity is just awful so i'm the most like uncoordinated person when it comes to like skating and like controlling my center of gravity um but i knew that i had to put skates on like that was a requirement you get the wristband you have to put the skates on they check to make sure your skates were safe and they're like get in there in the ring so I would go in, I would skate around to the carpeted areas, my friends would break off, and they would go skating, and I would, like, shuffle over to the arcades. Uh, and my mom knew that I was just terrible, and I was like, Mom, can I have a couple bucks? I want to get some arcade tokens. This is the only thing I'm good at. I cannot skate to save my life. I will fall every single time. Um, so it was just me shuffling over to an arcade, trying to just play. If anybody, If I saw anybody there... Uh, I'd walk up to him and be like, hey, can I play? Are you playing, like, you trying to play through the story? Like, what are you doing? Because I had just done nothing but sit at home with a Game Pro magazine studying every move in Mortal Kombat. Game so, Pro. Game Pro magazine. They had a special issue. It was the Mortal Kombat issue. Uh, that's got to be in in someone's house somewhere, I think, in a box. It's probably run ragged. But, uh, yeah, I remember learning every move. And uh, getting to do it, like, in an arcade was awesome because I was like, these controls are so much better than the D-pad at home on the Sega Genesis. Uh, shout out to the Sega Genesis controller because it's great, but for a fighting game at the time, it just didn't didn't cut it. So getting that uh, first experience with an arcade stick, like actually at an arcade, playing against somebody was a thrill. Even still, if you go to like the barcades now and they do have old machines of Mortal Kombat Street Fighter, they have the little um, like sticker, I guess, along the edge of the screen with each character and, the, yes. and like three moves that you can do for each yep. one yep um they give you the guide yeah they kind of because you don't have the book so i guess you got to do something they don't give you every move but they give you yeah. some i remember like figuring stuff out just at random because i button mashed i'm not gonna lie everybody does um, that, that's that, that's the first way that you learn and it just when you did something cool you're like whoa yeah what i do it's just you that, like, like kicks bicycle kicks bicycle yep. kicks absolutely oh, great absolutely you get that rush i remember um carrying over i, I would still once I kind of got a taste for the arcade and, like, playing on, like, the authentic, like, this is what, like, my version at home, I realized, I'm like, this is an iteration of this. Like, this is the master copy. Like, this is the original. Um, so I played in the arcades whenever I could. If I was with my parents at a shopping mall and I noticed there was an arcade and I got old enough, I was like, can I please go to the arcade by myself? And they are like, you're abnormally tall and you look older than you are. So, yeah, you're fine. Go ahead. <laughs> Nobody, I never had any issue, but... um. That was one of the first things I did was uh, play Mortal Kombat. I learned Mortal Kombat. When I when I realized that there was a Mortal Kombat 3, I lost my mind. Because I had Mortal Kombat 2. That I was remember it. Mortal Kombat 3. Mortal Kombat 3 showed up. 
Um, and I remember playing, and I would, there was a bunch of, like, older kids playing, so I would just, I rolled up and was like, can I get next? Like, can I, you know, can we do that? And they were like, cool, they are like, sure, yeah. And, like, I think they were ready to, like, beat me, but, like, I destroyed them. And they were like, whoa, okay. Like, this kid knows what's up. Uh, and then it was just fun. I, I only have good memories of the arcade. Um, and it was just a great time. At some point, somebody taught me how to do the command, because in Mortal Kombat 3, um, Smoke, the gray ninja, for those of you who haven't played, um, he was a hidden character in Mortal Kombat 2. But in Mortal Kombat 3, he was playable as a robot. But if you selected Smoke and held a certain button combination when the round started, you would turn Smoke into Ninja Smoke. And that was like a hidden thing. So when I left the one arcade, played it at another, like on my first round, everybody was like, what? Like, <laughs> like the room was just like dumbfounded. I was just like, I got the code. Like, let's go. And I was, that's, and I was just Ninja Smoke was my guy. Just good, purely because, I mean, he was a clone of you know, Scorpion, but... Literally just for that wow factor, where I was like, I was like, let's see how many people know that you can convert robot smoke to ninja smoke. I hated the robots. I, I, I liked Mortal Kombat one and two a lot. They have the lore for sure, but the the more lore of Mortal Kombat is I think one of the best lores in like gaming in general. But the I was just like, why do you have robots and ninjas at the same time? That's honestly like that like at the time that doesn't make any sense. But I think I feel like that became such a like Mortal Kombat knows exactly how much campiness to use. Now like, they do. To, to make it, yeah. But it was, it was definitely a thing. So, you went to arcades locally. Um, this is pre-internet, folks. Yes. Um, this is, like I said, Game Pro Magazine you mentioned. Um, Pre and post. I went to the arcades for a long time, but yes. So, when did you hear first about the FGC scene? What I mean by that is, like, Chinatown Fair, ECC, early kind of tournaments. This is also pre-Evo. Yeah. Um, how did you hear about content in general? So I know listening, you know, No Frills podcast, they talk about back in the, I mean, I guess it's early 2000s with DVDs were a thing. People would make DVDs of tournament coverage. So this is a little bit yes. later than what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, word of mouth was obviously a big thing. And then magazines and there's early internet. So for me, for the first experience, um, I played fighting games like since I was a kid, obviously through the arcades, through time. Always, always had a passion for them. Once, once I kind of clicked and I was able to start like beating people consistently at the arcade, it's a great feeling. Like you, you know, you feel like the like the king of the block. But um, as far as like the FGC and stuff like that, um, I went to a local arcade, a different one. I want to say, I want to say it was two thousand two or two thousand three, um, and there was that was kind of where I fell in love with Soul Calibur two. So maybe maybe 2003, 2004. I'm not 100% on the time. But it was one of those times where I went with family to the mall and kind of just like broke off and started hanging out at the arcade. And uh, a bunch of people were gathered around the Soul Calibur machine. So I was like, what are they playing? Can I play this? Like, can we try this out? Um, and stuff. But um, when I realized it was Soul Calibur, I was like, oh, I know this game. I am familiar with this. But um, probably after that, I realized that the game had so much depth to it and there was so much moves like in street fighter you got your hadouken your light medium and hard punch your light medium and hard kick your tatsu your shoryuken it was pretty self-explanatory like you were saying on the side of the arcade you can kind of everything's encompassed for there right and then it's like these are the, these are your chess pieces go play chess with them to so to speak in that in that aspect um but when i remember playing soul Calibur 2 i remember i got the strategy guide for soul Calibur 2 and i was flipping through it 
I went to my character's page and I was like, this character has a ton of different moves. Like there is, there is an absolute ton of moves. Um, and I realized that the games were a lot more deep than I had originally anticipated. Um, and it was the early, early days of the internet. Nothing was really like set in stone. There was no place to go for certain things, but I definitely remember like being on like random forums, maybe like, um, like giant bomb and different stuff like that. So some forums and stuff like that. I heard people talking about it, looking for combos and different things, discussing a character, but, um, first actual exposure to a world outside of people looking to get better at the game. I had stumbled upon, I guess through a forum, like you mentioned, uh, a DVD of the tournaments. And this was before YouTube. So you couldn't just watch. They were like, here's a $30 DVD. And I was like, man, I have money, but I don't have a debit card because I'm like 16. Like, how do we do this? Like, what? $30 was going rate for DVDs back in the day. That was a, it was a lot of money. And I'm like, how can I convince my mom to buy a DVD of other people playing a video game? That I was like, there's no chance. There's no chance. Like, even if I had allowance money or whatever... I was like, this is this is a hard sell by like a mile. Even if I was like, please, can I use your card? I will give you this money. <laughs> I knew that it wasn't an option. Um, but shortly after that, they um, the first video service. I don't know if it was YouTube. It might have been another another service. I don't remember. All I remember is seeing people playing Tekken, and they were moving otherworldly compared to what I had been seeing and what my friends and I were playing, and even what I had witnessed in the arcades they were moving the characters in such a way where they were able to kind of like almost shuffle uh, doing the sidesteps and like the wave dashing. Uh, and it blew my mind that that type of movement was available. And from then I was like, it was like that the Aladdin theme plays, like the whole new world. You're just like, there's so much more than what I already knew. There was so, it was so deep. It was just like this portal to another thing. And those DVDs were the original uh, Evolution Champion Series, Championship Series DVDs. So you all have to understand Back in the, I was going to say, like, you can define, like, I guess, pop culture, like, what this podcast is really about, in different, usually people go by decades. Um, you can do the same thing for gaming. So the 80s arcade scene was one thing. Then you had the 90s, 2000s, kind of where it, like, wavered off. But pre-internet, a lot of things, like, I mean, when I say pre-internet, there was always, like, use nets. But, I yeah. mean, some people had internet, some people didn't. I didn't get, I think, a computer until like 2001, 2002. So, I, was, I definitely remember AOL dial-up discs. Exactly. And like I you got those. free internet for 30 days, and you had to make a new screen yep. every time. Yep. Um, so it was like a weird time, but pre-internet like, like it is today, you got your information from magazines. Yes. Word of mouth. Yeah. Uh, like promotional material, like either DVD. Well, DVDs were kind of new but even VHS tapes, like stuff, like they used to demo, or not demo games, but like showed game trailers on VHS tapes that if you subscribe to like Nintendo Power or Game yeah. Pro or something, you got a VHS in the mail. Yeah. Um, they had those, they had different kinds of, uh, some people wrote books, but a lot of it was you went to a place, an arcade, and a lot of it, this is where a lot of the early rumors came out about what was in a game or what was in like a... Yeah. Oh, if you do this at a certain time when, like, you know, it's on the 15th of the month and the moon is a full in yeah. real life, like, it'll transcend into the arcade cabinet and you can play as, I don't know, Pikachu and before Pokemon was even a thing. Yep. Like, something random, crazy, crazy ideas and theories, even at home consoles. So, 
the best part too is like we were kids and there was no way to disprove it. So what did you do? You're like, all right, well, I'm gonna try to find that. Exactly. When I'm going home, I'm I'll, I'm gonna try to move that truck and see if Mew's back there. Right. You know? Exactly. Like, like, I'm doing it. Today, somebody will disprove it, put up a video, and then occasionally you'll see people make videos of like, oh, somebody played this game after like 10 years and found this crazy thing. Like that does still happen, but not nearly as much as like the rumors that were back in the day. So like, just want to put in context. Like back then, it was like, uh, I guess how it was pre anything here pre-communication long distance in real life where like you don't know what's going on, on the other side of the world people are like whoa this yeah. is crazy same thing in the gaming community and like like you said before with the smoke code blew people away because oh yeah it was, was unbelievable rumors and even in magazines too you could people used to photoshop stuff all the time early Absolutely. smash smash melee they somebody photoshopped sonic and tails yep I remember. And people thought it was real. And that was, it was a running thing like Sonic and a Smash game. And then we showed up in Brawl. It was like a thing. Right. I exactly. remember that. It was a thing. So, yeah, thank you for the, the walk through, through our history lesson of. For sure. Absolutely. Um, I always appreciate the nostalgic of it all. It's, uh, it's really cool because the fighting community is a little bit different in um, that the the, the the roots are always still fresh. That's uh, kind of the best analogy that I can give. A lot of games are iterations of iterations of iterations of other games. You know, we you talk about the early first-person shooters, games like Doom and Quake, which gave way to things like Counter-Strike, which gave way, you know, to the things, you know, Halo, the things we have today, like, um, you know, Fortnite and, and the other stuff. All right. I really appreciate the history lesson here. And uh, stay tuned. This is concludes part one. So this is a really good conversation, really good dialogue that we're having so in the next week's episode we're going to continue into the content creation part and then figure out where we're going to go where you're going from here Sounds where, good. Your, where your channel is going to go where everything else is going to go so that's what so stay tuned that's coming up next see you next time